Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. And tonight's special guest is quite unique. I, I didn't meet him until right not long ago, quite frankly, uh, as all by phone and email. But Michael Warzeski is from Wichita, Kansas. Now that's kind of close to my heart. I'm an old con- Kansas farm kid way back in the day. I didn't always live in San Diego, been here a long time. Uh, but once upon a time, I was at a farm near Concordia, Kansas, north of where Michael's from. Michael has a unique story, who he is, his training, his background, uh, what countries he's lived in. But then the reason he's going to be a speaker at the Future Conference is what he makes in his company. And I want you to hear this. This is quite unique. It, it's re- I think it's ingenious. The Lord has anointed him for this. So we're going to go to Michael right now. Michael, I say welcome. We're so delighted you're on. Take just a moment, first of all, and, and take two minutes and tell us your story, uh, where you're from, your schooling, the countries you lived in, that give us an understanding of who Michael Orzeski is. Thank you for having me, Jim. Um, I'm Mike Orzeski. I grew up in a small town called Garnett, Kansas. Uh, I did my training to become a physician assistant here in Wichita, Kansas, and for the last 25 years, I have worked either as a, a, a trauma or a neurocritical care PA at night. And then during the day, I've either run Hospitals of Hope or Clinic in a Can. Um, and you may say, okay, this is the first time I'm hearing about Hospitals of Hope. Uh, to be able to understand how Clinic in a Can came into existence is all due to God calling me to build a hospital down in Bolivia. And that came out of a a, uh, a a singles Christian mission trip with Compassion International back when I was 25 uh, to uh, the Alta Plano in Bolivia. And uh, working with the children there, it um, uh, was pressed upon my heart that there was a need. And, uh, you know, God just wants people to respond to needs. And so I formed an organization, nonprofit called Hospitals of Hope, uh, when I was 28 years of age, and we built a, a hospital down in Bolivia. And as time went by, more people learned about uh, what we did with Hospitals of Hope. And um, there's always limitations in time and money uh, that I started thinking about, or I think really God just planted all these ideas in my mind. Um, I have to give him all the honor and glory for that is that um, Clinic in a Can came to be. Uh, we use shipping containers all the time to ship donated medical equipment and supplies for the hospital down in Bolivia, for Zimbabwe, for many different countries. Um, and I thought, well, why not just use the a shipping container uh, and build it into a medical clinic? It's much more economical. I can control the environment for which it's being produced. And you know, the early units were very rudimentary and very bad. Um, but you know, with all things in life, you have to learn, uh, you have to start somewhere. And so we're about 12 years into this whole, uh, experiment with clinic in a can and, uh, a clinic in a can is a containerized medical clinic. And basically if I was to, uh, test you by putting a, a, a blinder on you, walk you into our, our container, turn on the lights, take off your blindfold, you would think you were in a. Uh, a modern hospital someplace. Um, most of what we're producing right now are like 20 foot clinics that are all solar powered. Um, the, uh, the progress 
of our technology has allowed large devices for diagnostics to be shrunk down into handheld point of care devices uh, like the Abbott Eyestat point of care chemistry machine or uh, like digital x-rays. I think we've all been to hospitals before and uh, we've seen portable x-rays being rolled down the hallways or you go in and you have an x-ray of your leg or your chest and they're big machines. Now technology has shrunk them down to they're the size of a shoebox and they run off of batteries. And so with this and the drive of people like Elon Musk and, and in pushing solar technology and battery technology, it, it's carried over to people that do what I do. And we use that technology that has made big leaps uh, in, and bounds. And we use it for creating you know, solar-powered medical clinics and we send them all over the world. Uh, they are trauma units, they're uh, baby delivery units, they're primary care. Um, pretty much if you think about what a, uh, a, what you could put in one, we produce them. Uh, it may be a single unit or it may be multiple units put together for um, uh, a community health center. And we've shipped them all over the world. Not only... Uh... You're a manufacturer, which in and of itself calls for a skill set, but you actually have functioned in the mission field, and you're highly trained as a physician's assistant, which is pretty remarkable. What an interesting combination. I wish I would have thought to advance and encourage you to have PowerPoint pictures. I assume you have no photographs to hold up. I'll give you a warning on that one. But... Uh, Help us understand, assuming we have no photographs you can hold up, what these actually look like. A shipping container is normally, is that a shipping container the size of an 18-wheeler truck bed? Is that the size? Uh, we normally use 20-foot or 40-foot containers. So the typical trailer you see going down the road um, that's transporting your your Walmart goods or uh, your uh, your food is usually a 53-foot trailer. So the ones that we use are a little bit shorter um, and uh, they're 20-foot. Uh, in total, you have about 130 square feet, something of that nature, um, finished space. So it's one single room normally with our 20-footers and it has everything in it, x-ray, suction, patient monitors, ventilators, ultrasound machines. Once again, I tell you, technology has made these things into, everything can be handheld. So we just mount everything on the wall. Like right now we, um, you know, I thought God called us to, to donate ones to Ukraine and now we're shipping 15 over now to be used in that unfortunate war zone. And they will be placing them all over the country to be used uh, in lieu of their facilities that have been destroyed because of this uh, uh, tragic um, uh, military event. I, I think we're having a little bit of a technological challenge. Uh, Mike, Michael, if you can go ahead and get muted whenever I'm talking to see if we can uh, um, if we can address this feedback we're, we're getting. We're trying to see if that see if that helps at all, and then unmute when when you share. I apologize for the technological problem we're having. 
So give me some sensing if, if it's uh, give me the dimensions one more time of a, of a typical clinic in a can you call it I can name your company. Uh, what is something like this cost to produce? And then what does it cost to get it to, let's say, Bolivia or to Ukraine? The dimensions of a uh, our smallest unit, a 20-foot uh, clinic in a can, is 8-foot wide by 20-foot long. Now, most people think, okay, that's not very big. Well, it's not. But if you think about going into an environment, a mission environment out in the jungle, or if you're talking about, say, a, um, a, uh, into an environment that has just had a natural disaster, you're looking for a place that's clean, that has air conditioning, and that has the diagnostic and medical equipment that you can stabilize people that have been either shot, crushed, um, have lacerations, and that's what the clinic in a can is used for. And since God produces sunlight, you know, every single day, I wake up every morning and there's a, a sunrise and a sunset. We use uh, solar technology to, um, uh, to power our clinics. When you uh, put them together, enlarge them, go ahead and hit that off switch if you can. Sorry, I just You can connect them. I assume you can connect them end for end to extend them. You can't connect them on the sides, right? You, if you make bigger ones, you connect them end for end, like 40 by eight, and or is that how it's done? Uh, normally, if we, there's two ways that we expand these out. If we're using 40 footers, we will cut the sides out and we will join them all together so that they become okay. um, large rooms. Uh, for example, in Palenque, Mexico, we uh, made five of them into two surgical suites, recovery room, sterilization, uh, bathrooms, um, storage area. Um, when we're using 20-footers uh, for like um, the hurricane that devastated the Bahamas um, not too long ago, uh, we'll take and ship five containers, put them in a square and uh, put a roof over them, put solar panels and enclose it. So. It kind of depends on the application or or it's just a single container and we'll send it uh, to a specific location in the jungle that needs the ability to do primary care. Um, did you have a chance to respond to the, what, what does it cost, for example, and what does it cost to get it shipped to a location? Oh, there we got the pictures. Oh, that's excellent. Well, tell us what we're seeing here, Michael. Okay. So this is uh, one of our 20-foot um, our clinics. This is a, uh, a, a, a split 20-foot clinic that has two um, individual rooms, mainly for HIPAA. I think of HIPAA all the time because I'm in the medical field. Uh, you have two individual exam rooms. It can either be uh, primary care, it could be a laboratory, a pharmacy, and then you see that we have an awning that's a roof and then there's six solar panels. And so those six solar panels run that clinic um, basically 10 to 12 hours a day. And there's a, a lithium ion battery that uh, uh, retains the, uh, the energy harvested from the sun. Uh, something like this starts off uh, about uh, 80 to $100,000. Um, and it, what drives the cost more than anything 
is not the the building of the clinic. The building of the clinic is between fifty-five and sixty-five thousand dollars. It goes up in price based on what um, equipment you put in it. Um, because an ultrasound machine is twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars. A X-ray machine is forty-five. So that's what really drives the cost of what a clinic and a can. Um, total package might be so the average is 65 to say a hundred and twenty twenty thousand dollars what is the uh, the primary end user is it primarily missions organization buying them is it primarily government in the case of uh, natural disasters we have a mixture of both private and NGOs that buy these. Um, because we've been in the mission field for almost 26 years now, um, uh, we, it's a tight network and you know each other. And when there's a need and we seem to fit together, we'll work together. We'll either donate clinics to them or they go to funders um, or donors and uh, raise the uh, required uh, capital to uh, make a large purchase of the clinics. Um, we do sometimes work with the government, but I honestly never really seek out, um, I, I don't seek out clients. The clients usually find us and uh, uh, we're able to uh, basically to order. We do keep units available that if there's a, a disaster or we feel the, uh, the calling or the need to make a donation to people, um, then we have that available. Um, and you did ask a question, how much does it cost? That is a, a moving target right now. And as you know, shipping costs have over the last year doubled, tripled, and sometimes even quadrupled. I believe that what I was told to ship um, our donated clinics from Wichita, Kansas to uh, the Ukraine was uh, $10,000 a piece. And so the range is between four and 10,000, depending on um, uh, the route. and. Uh, uh, whether it has a, a seaport or if it's landlocked. I have a college classmate by the name of Gary Morse, who uh, is an MD, has a heart-to-heart -heart ministry. And I followed him through the years. Uh, his, his father was a well-known pastor in the Church of the Nazarene uh, near the campus, Southern Nazarene University, where I did my bachelor's and master's, first master's degree. And uh, Gary, I think, has used your facilities in a, a lot of areas of disaster around the world. Am I correct in that? Yeah, and uh, specifically this um, this project that we're doing in the Ukraine, um, their Heart to Heart International is the organization that raised the funds to, um, to purchase and to ship these 12 units. It's not just the clinics themselves, but they ship down uh, 50 pallets worth of their hygiene kits. And, and Gary Morsh, although he's not in, um, uh, actively participating in the leadership of Heart to Heart, he's a serial entrepreneur and he's always um, doing good for people in the name of Jesus. And, and that's basically what our company is about is yes, it's good that we get paid for our work, but our work is to help people around the world. And if God says to do it, we do it. Well, and that's what I sense about you. I was very drawn to you, even in our early emails when we first connected. Um, talk about serial entrepreneur. Uh, I, I think it's quite amazing the skill set from being a physician's assistant to being a manufacturer 
of something of this magnitude, and then somebody who's got the skill to get it shipped around the world, there's a complexity to that. You have quite an intriguing skill set, sir. That's uh, quite unusual. Um, there's an anointing on you. You're, you're a very humble person, so you're not calling attention to yourself. But it is right for us to stop and just say, way to go, God, in what you're doing through Michael. And your, your wife is also heavily involved in this as well, right? Is she likewise, if I'm not mistaken, is she trained medically as well? Uh, yes, my wife is a, a very godly woman. Uh, she, we met, and her story all is a unique story in itself. Um, uh, I met her in Bolivia. Uh, her parents became believers because of New Tribe missions, um, uh, missionaries. And uh, uh, one of my first mission trips down to Bolivia, I met her and she volunteered as a, a dentist and then my translator and then became the national uh, director of uh, Hospitals of Hope. And then God uh, somehow made it so that we uh, became mates and she came up here and lived. Um, went back to dental school at the University of Minnesota and has been practicing in dentistry for 10, 12 years now. And uh, two great children because of that. Now is the, yeah. uh, I, I'm quite fascinated by, by your structure, what, what you've designed there. What's the difference between Hospital of Hope and, and Clinic in a Can? Is one the name of the organization and the other the product? Uh, Hospitals of Hope is the nonprofit that I started mainly for building the hospital down in Bolivia, uh, but also to recruit, uh, hopefully, future missionaries um, uh, into um, volunteering. My theory personally is uh, if you capture people and introduce them to the needs of the world, they a seed gets planted and many of them um, they this becomes a part of their life is that they want to give back through their skills um, but to answer your question directly uh, hospitals hope is the nonprofit arm and clinic and can is, can is the the for-profit arm so we're two separate entities but we function in the same building and part of that is um, for many many years uh, the, the raising of funds wasn't uh, my most favorite uh, aspect of doing missions but God always provided for us um, uh, and we felt that there was a, a a well enough established business plan with clinic in a can uh, that I felt that um, uh, that we would like to, um, to to make that as an offering to people so it is a for-profit company the um the envisioning of uh, that, that you've had for this in mission field in various countries, and we think of things like Ukraine, <clears throat> natural disasters, man-made disasters, etc., is obvious. You're aware that part of the future conference is trying to prepare people for what could potentially come to our own country. Uh, loss of freedoms, we're on a trajectory that is, is a challenge right now. We walk in radical hope and confidence in God. Our hope is in God, not in America. At the same time, we've enjoyed many liberties and freedoms here. But is it conceivable that we could find ourselves so ostracized, so marginalized, so canceled by the culture, or our country, even in the status of a third world country, potentially, that this could be something like this could be needed here? And part of my motivation, Michael, I think what you bring to the table is so unique, so profound, 
so remarkable. Now, maybe if there's other people producing it, I'm certainly not aware of it, but the anointing upon you and the heart with what you do it, I guess that's what I love about you, is I, I would think this could, this could potentially have application right here in our own country and be needed, uh, particularly if we find ourselves, I, I think in Canada, where pastors are being arrested, I think in Australia, where so many people have been, New Zealand, what's happened? I think where assets have been frozen, even in our own country by people who have, maybe they have a biblical viewpoint, they've been fired from their jobs, their companies have been shut down. It would be conceivable that they could come where this would be needed uh, by, by believers in this, this country. I pray that's not the case. I don't wanna be alarmist uh, on this. I don't wanna be melodramatic, but the day could come, it would be needed uh, in a place like where I live to provide for believers who are ostracized from the medical system and not allowed because if they don't go along with particular governmental view, whether it be abortion or view of COVID or COVID vaccine or whatever the, whatever the issue is that we're, that we're not conforming to the government mandates. Has, if I may ask, has that ever crossed your mind that what you're producing could potentially be needed in this country? Yes, um, we know that the Bible says there's going to be an end time and that in the end, um, those that are believers are going to be uh, persecuted. We also know that the Bible tells us that we're to be on the wall, uh, watching and waiting and preparing. And I believe, and this is not to sell a product, it's just the reality. Um, there may come a time that uh, we may need to have clinics or medical facilities that are um, the non-standard or the non-traditional way of providing medical relief to people. Because when we all need medical relief. You know, we'll have high blood pressure or diabetes or we'll get cuts and broken arms and uh and some things are going to be fixed easily and some things cannot be fixed easily and it's a, a chronic problem but nonetheless we need medicines and we need to have people that are trained to be able to diagnose and to treat but then you also have to have the facilities to be able to test and and there may come a time when you know what if an emp goes off well then uh, you know we're, we're back to the dark ages or you know, if there's a natural disaster, one that's large enough that uh, our traditional medical facilities are taken out, then what do we do? I think that we've all had or experienced situations in which a storm has knocked out our power. We take it for granted the blessing of living in the United States um, until something like that happens. And then you realize how vulnerable we are. Um, and we saw that even with COVID, you know, COVID, our, our basic necessities were gone, right? Our, our toiletries, our foods were gone. Uh, um, uh, and, and that can happen very quickly uh, in, in the sense if, if there is a disaster or a persecution or whatever, that uh, we might not have the ability to access medical care like we would normally. Um, so that's a long answer to a quick question. I have heard there's as many as 25,000 frontline doctors who, under the conditions, could be terminated, lose their licenses for practicing because they did not go along with the government 
as it relates to the course vaccine. I have heard various reports of potential uh, health companies, health share companies, <clears throat> medical insurance, I mean to say, who would say, well, if you did not go along with the government on this, we'll either charge you a lot more or you'll be dropped. These kind of stories and others like them have caused me to try to be discerning and alerted to what could be out there, not living in fear, but living in confidence because knowledge is confidence and is prudent to be prepared. The future belongs to those who prepare for it. So that's one of the reasons I find myself quite fascinated with your, all the applications that are needed in other countries. I think of, most of us probably have been to Haiti, many have been to Haiti and we've seen what's needed there. I happen to have been to Bolivia and, and love Bolivia deeply. You and I've talked a little bit about the former president, Janine Añez, who was just sentenced to 10 years in prison, falsely accused, very, very difficult situation. Uh, Ukraine, uh, I had the privilege of speaking there to their elected officials. My heart goes out to Ukraine. This is unbelievable to watch the news there. So I just praise God you're there to provide something that I had not even heard of till just a, a few months ago when I discovered what you were doing. Uh, I was just so fascinated by that. Are, are there other companies like this maybe maybe there's a lot of them out there and i just don't know about them do are there is this common i believe that because of covid um and all facilities were looking for alternative uh, solutions to keep patients externally from the hospital for screening a lot popped up um but i can say that we're probably the, the ones that are how do you answer that question? Yeah, there are other companies now that are doing something similar, but I really don't worry about that because my mission is a little bit different than theirs. Yes, we 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 are a for-profit company, but when you're uh, guided by God to do things, or you at least seek to do what is right in His eyes, I, I He brings the work to us. I, yeah. I don't go seek, yeah. and and I don't have active people that are are going out there trying to uh, market our our clinics to anybody, and, and that sounds really unusual to answer your question. Yes, there are others, but I don't think that their mission line and their uh, the reason that they're doing what they're doing is just an, an extension of doing mission work. I mean, in the end, that's what I am. I'm still a missionary, but I'm doing it under a different hat. And we all change our hats, just kind of like Paul said, you know, depending yeah. on who you're with, you, you have to change your hat. Well, servant is worthy of his servant is worthy of his hire. I'm certainly a believer in the free market and capitalism, and it, when it's parameter with Judeo-Christian uh, principles. So I pray you are making money. You should make money. You deserve to make money, and I know you'll be a good steward of that. So I pray, I pray blessings on your company. Not only you're not for profit, but for your for profit, we pray blessing of the Lord uh, upon that. That's a legitimate uh, and a righteous act that you're involved in. We're going to go right to prayer. With some people are going to pray over you but i want to say once again if you want to hear uh michael in person come to the future conference july 2021 in arlington virginia or at the gateway at the crystal gateway marriott hotel go to wellversedworld.org wellversedworld.org and then uh, scroll down and click on future conference all the information comes up there's 18 hours of, of instruction like this from 40 45 different speakers 
uh, quite remarkable. Many of them are quite unique, like Michael, like Michael is. And so we, we really want you to come out. If you cannot come, click on online registration, register to listen to us. You can hear it live or you can hear it delayed. We really want you to hear what he and others like him have to share. Uh, we're going to go to prayer. Michael, is there anything I should have asked that I failed to ask before we go to prayer? I think that you covered what you were supposed to cover. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.